Welcome to On The Couch with James Field and Ian Harris. It's episode 32 for the 9th of February, 2007. Hi there, ladies and gentlemen. It's Couch 32 with me, James Field. And I'm Ian Harris. And uh, we'd like to talk to you a little bit today about our standard fare, but also I think, Ian, you're going to talk a little bit about our website. Yeah, we, have, uh, we do have a website. It's www.onthecouchpodcast.com. And we've got some information about all the episodes that we've run there, as well as show notes and links to the stuff that we talk about. So if you do want to find out anything else that uh, anything else about what we're talking about, there's a, it's a good place to go. Or indeed enter the competition we've got later on. Maybe we should put the question there as well in case you didn't quite catch it. But that's the competition later on. So we'll kick straight off with um, our standard format, which is UK international content news, IPTV, mobile gaming, and then any other funny, wacky stuff we thought of. Excellent. Um, so first of all, Ian, what's the, um, what's the UK news? Uh, well, what we've got happening in the UK is that B-Sky-B, who are the dominant satellite platform in the UK, are now looking to get into digital terrestrial. Allegedly, right? This is something we picked up on the wires. That's right. Um, so it's, it's out there as a vicious rumour right now, but it uh, sounds pretty credible. They're looking to uh, replace some of the existing services they have uh, on digital terrestrial. This mm-hmm. is the free Which are free sense. today, right? I mean, I'm, I'm actually a free view, sort of, I'm not a subscriber, but I've got a couple of boxes at home. Um, so some of these channels, they put out Sky News, um, Sky, Sky 3. 3, and Sky Sports yep. News are currently free for anyone to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're going to be planning to, I guess, turn them on to pay and also introduce other pay services using MPEG-4, which is quite interesting because obviously all the terrestrial transmissions in the UK today are on MPEG-2. That's right, but it doesn't, I mean, I, the MPEG-2 services in the UK are very low bandwidth, so I can mm. understand that we must be using MPEG-4 in order to either get better quality of programs or be able to squeeze more programs in there. Yeah, but it's going to be a bit tight. Maybe this is just a forward-looking statement relating to when digital is switched off. They might try this, you know, in Whitstable later on this year when the first transmitters are switched off, but as you yeah, say, unless they can... It's coming this summer, so... Mm. All right, well, that's timed with switch off. But uh, yeah, maybe if they take these three off, they've got maybe five megabits, but you're not going to get a lot of services in there. No. So uh, um, we shall see. We shall see. Anyway, that's uh, one to watch, I suppose. Mm, it's interesting. That, I mean, there must be a, a way of people graduating from the Freeview, the digital Freeview services onto Sky and then saying, mm, this is all right, uh, maybe I'll get the whole Sky platform. So kind of mm. leapfrogging. Yeah, I mean, that's, I guess, that's the, that's the, uh, that's the, where the money comes from from Sky, although obviously they get some advertising revenue from those additional eyeballs watching those channels. So. Mm. Interesting. Um, international news. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just picked up some stuff the other week about, uh, it's again, it's kind of a bit maybe royalties or production stuff, but it's uh, a lot of Chinese set-top box vendors mm. are um, basically they're complaining or not wanting to pay royalties relating to MPEG-2. Yes. Uh, MPEG-2 is widely adopted, and I think the royalty is something like $2.50, affected by via licensing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everyone is obliged to pay that. Now, I think the Chinese are saying, well, surely it's the end user who pays, we're just the manufacturer. And I think right. Basically, there's a lot of finger-pointing going on, because at the end of the day, in, we know here in the UK, in retail, you can buy a digital terrestrial box for... Occasionally twenty pounds, mm-hmm. um, which is okay. It's thirty-eight dollars, but 
there is very little room for any margin there. Yeah. Um, so $2.50 is going to make a big difference in terms of Yeah, and these guys are saying $2.50, you know, we don't even make that much manufacturing <laughs> these boxes. Mm. Um, you know, that'll put us out of business. Right. Um, but equally, you know, they need to be well aware of the intellectual property there. Mm. Uh, so it's a interesting scenario. I think we've, we've both been to shows recently where there have been raids on set-top box vendors to remove all their yes. set-top boxes because they haven't been paying royalties. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do kind of spring back. Um, and I guess it comes down to a lot of the, the technology in the boxes is actually software and royalties more than the hardware. Yes. But uh, maybe traditionally speaking, a lot of manufacturers still think in a kind of an analog way where it's all about the hardware, whereas in fact the value is, is intellectual property and software. Yes. Uh, which is the way it's generally things are moving, I suppose. Mm. But hopefully we'll have a bit more news. We, we did get a, some information in about Indonesia, but neither of us have had the chance to read it. So we're about to have some insight on Indonesia in the next episode. Excellent. Right. Uh, content, Ian, what's going on there? Well, there's a few things, uh, quite a few bits and pieces going on in, uh, in content in the last week. Uh, there's been a report that says that uh, CD, CD sales in the US have dropped uh, 20% since the start of the year, um, mm-hmm. which is such a sharp fall that uh, everyone's kind of running around giving profit warnings on companies that uh, um, music studios and so on. Uh, but what I learned that was interesting is that uh, 25% of all the world's physical CDs are actually bought in the US. It wouldn't surprise me. Which is yeah, quite yeah. amazing. Um, in mm. that period, uh, the, the actual download market has increased slightly, yeah. but not enough to make up for the 20% drop in uh, in the actual physical but sales. But you're saying the paid download market. I mean, ah, yes. Sorry, a, just to <laughs> clarify there. Clarify that one. Yeah, I mean, and also uh, I had a chance to read that Steve Jobs, um, day before yesterday, stuck a thing up on uh, the Apple website. Mm. He's come into a lot of stick recently because I think Norway has declared you know, iTunes illegal. Yes. Um, and there's been some other moves in the past by, I think France made some noise as well. And, and Jobs has come out with a a statement saying, you know, the only reason they have uh, the fair play DRM is because they're obliged to have it by the record companies. Right. And if the record companies said, you know, okay, you can sell this stuff for free, and, and his argument is that well, all well, CDs... stuff's free of digital rights management. Yeah, like CDs. The CDs have no yeah, rights management just like on CDs. them, typically. So, you know, sell them like that, and then he would be very happy just to sell stuff on iTunes which didn't mm. have DRM on it. And there are a number of sites selling content without DRM today. Yes. So it shouldn't be a big kind of departure for that. Um, and he sort of comes in, you know, people may say the iPod, you know, most iPods, they, they say in their research are full. They've got like a thousand songs on. I guess mm-hmm. the biggest, that's the nanos, I suppose. Uh, and that um, of those songs, the average one has only got 20 songs from iTunes. If they say, you know, how many we've sold and how many songs on iTunes. Mm. So like 97% of the content on iPods has not been bought from iTunes. All right. And obviously iPods will play stuff that hasn't been bought from iTunes. Yes. So ripped from CDs or any other sort. Hmm. Um, so, you know, and he's kind of saying, well, just that, that 3% of content isn't enough to stop someone switching to another device. Hmm. Um, but maybe it is. I mean, you never quite know. Um, I don't know I mean, it's quite a good, good letter and saying, you know, basically they're not licensing their DRM to anyone else because it relies on secrets. And if they give the secrets out, they will get out. Oh. Well, I mean, that's, that's not quite fair because Microsoft is, is licensing its um, DRM software to... Well, it plays for sure, it. wasn't it? It plays for sure. It's, yeah, Microsoft yeah. is plays for sure. So there's but lots the Zoom of stuff, they're not. But the Zoom stuff isn't plays for sure and they're not licensing that. So That's true. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess a lot of it is, it's, you know, it's a content-related thing and it's, 
the rights the content owners give to people are mm. contingent upon meeting certain security criteria. Mm -hmm. Because as you said earlier, they don't want to destabilize their existing business. Um, I mean, are we saying here that uh, using DRM on content like this is a, is he saying that it's kind of like fighting a losing battle? It's not really protecting it. It's restricting users in terms of what they can do. So if we got rid of it in the first place, I mean, well, he's also talking about how, in fact, you know, the rights they've got are pretty liberal on iPods because you can use it yeah, on as many actually. iPods as you like. You can burn to CDs. And, of course, you know, there's nothing to stop you burning the stuff you've bought from iTunes to a CD and, and then ripping it, it again. again yeah. So, I mean, there are – it's not particularly robust. It's kind of – I guess it's the, as they say, keeping honest people honest. Mm. Um, but there's, it's very easy to you know, circumvent uh, the fair play stuff mm -hmm. by just uh, you know, re-recording it effectively. Yep. So, no. anyway, that's interesting. You, you had some other stuff about uh, Walmart, didn't you? Yeah, now this is interesting um, from a business perspective in that Walmart, who is the biggest seller of uh, DVDs and CDs in the US, in the physical and, sense. And uh, they own the, the Asda brand here in the UK as well. That's right. Uh, so they're a, a dominant retailer in, obviously, several countries has signed a deal with all six of the major Hollywood studios, which I still think is astonishing that there's only six um, major Hollywood studios. Uh, yeah. to sell well, in music, there's only four for the major music. Yeah, titles. that's true. Uh, yeah. So they've all combined at one point or other mm. uh, to sell digital movies and television shows on its website. So uh, it's, it's buy to own, and the, uh, the download prices will be similar to the actual DVD prices themselves from the store. Um, but they reckon they'll have at least 3,000 productions, including a bunch of films and TV series like 24 and so on and so right. forth. So uh, they've, they've uh, beaten iTunes to the punch, even in being able to sell movies from all six of the studios as opposed to just uh, two now on iTunes. Right. Um, and obviously they've used their uh, muscle power in terms of being the biggest DVD sellers in the States to say, hey, come on, guys, get on board and, and uh, yeah. get... And, uh, well, I mean, so what happens when you download, do you then burn it to a DVD or I don't you think just you have can. to have a big disc or something? I mean, maybe Walmart's plan is to sell hard discs to people. <laughs> maybe it is. I mean, but it's, uh, it's download to play on your uh, PC type mm. thing. It's not download yeah. to burn. So I think there's a, there's a good quote here as well. This is as much of an 800 pound griller Walmart is in retail sales. They're an 80 pound weakling when it comes <laughs> to digital distribution. So I guess, they're, as you say, the, the big griller is giving the weakling a bit of a push here. So. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's a bit of discussion in the article about mm. um, how all of Walmart's uh, strategy for cheap prices is really to get people into the store so they buy other things. And this is this yeah. is just not doing that. I mean, they've had a failure in terms of wanting to compete with people like uh, Netflix in the States that do yeah. online DVD rentals. So, they gave that away. One of the analysts who covers them, interesting comment again, he says he doesn't expect digital video sales to be more than a freckle on the chain's earnings. Mm. So as you say, it's just a sort of a, it's a leader to get people in the door. So. Or um, get people not in the door as a case maybe. I don't know about you, but you know, when I go to one of these stores, they're, they're all monster massive and you wander around and inevitably you end up buying something you didn't need. That's true. You get kind of lost um, and then you see something that looks cool and then all of a sudden... You say, oh, that's a bargain, you know, mm. or something, you know. Rampant consumerism. It's terrible. So it is definitely possible to get all six of the Hollywood studios into doing downloads, which I think mm -hmm. that is more significant than anything else. I mean, Walmart aside, uh, we've got all of the six studios now doing downloads of content. Mm -hmm. um, so that's definitely a shift, even if... Yeah. Uh, uh, and no details on the technology there either. I guess I'm guessing it's Windows Media, but I've uh, no I mean, idea. I'd be, I'd be betting money on it would be Windows Media. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe one of the listeners knows and can let us know. 
um, feedback at onthecouchpodcast.com. Yeah, let us know. If you've actually tried it, tell us what it's like. Yeah. Um, IPTV. Now, again, we, we picked out some you know, our crystal ball gazing we did at the end of last year. Mm-hmm. We you know, were looking at IPTV. Now, we, we had a, um, another look at a, a UK study where they'd said at the end of 2006, 3.6 million IPTV viewers worldwide, which were mm-hmm. pretty much split between um, two-thirds in Europe and uh, the rest of the world was the other one. So um, in Hong Kong, PCCW was the largest single platform. I, I've actually been a subscriber to that when I spent my time like? in Hong Kong. It, I mean, it, the context here is it's it's the incumbent telephony provider mm-hmm. uh, who is offering this service free to people who take their broadband service. Right. Uh, and it's a kind of a, you get basic stuff for free. They started doing pure a la carte and then they changed. So, okay, we'll do bundles of packages. Mm-hmm. Um, but because they were able to get a significant footprint, and this is in a market where cable had been around for many, many years, about mm. six, seven years. So they were, they were the de facto and they had all the exclusive programming rights. Right. They were able to come in. They were able to stealthily deploy um, literally a, an equivalent population of cable boxes, but in, in the IPTV domain. Mm-hmm. And once they had the market, they were then able to go in and say, look, we've got the market. We, we've got better reach. We'll give you a better deal for the exclusive stuff like the sports and HBO. Wow. And uh, they were able to then come in and, and take stuff away from the cable guy. Um, and obviously that requires the right re- uh, legislative environment as well to enable them to do that. Mm. Um, but they weren't offering any VOD. I think they've, they've just announced recently they're going to do some VOD right. using MPEG-4, but they've been saying that for a while. I guess they're waiting for the the cost to come down mm. um, and their, their backbone as well. So that's interesting. And the other big ones were France Telecom. Yeah. Um, we've, we've both had a look at that. Uh, free Telecom, I think that's the Nerf Telecom and Free Telecom is the free box thing we've right. seen in, in France. Uh, Telefonica, I think that's the Imaginio platform in Spain mm-hmm. and uh, FastWeb in, uh, in Italy. So that's pretty much it. Um, none of those, I think, are Microsoft platforms. Uh, interestingly no. enough, uh, I guess because they've only just about got out of the gate at the end of 2006. Yeah, so they were, they were the earliest ones, really. Mm. So it's still pretty small. Mm. Um, you know, Freeview in the UK, by comparison, is what I think they announced 9.2 million subscribers. They had a big, yeah. big, uh, big Christmas. Um, so it's still pretty small from a global perspective. And it's sort of showing that I think the lack of standardization in the IPTV domain is causing a few, uh, you know, it's, it, it doesn't happen quickly. It's quite a challenging integration role to get all the bits and pieces working together. Yeah, um, and, and it really hasn't proven its scalability yet in terms of being able to deploy uh, millions and millions and millions of customers mm-hmm. on the one network. But I yeah. And also, I think the user experience isn't mature. I mean, certainly when I was a PCCW subscriber, the user experience wasn't as good as I know other you know, other systems have their out, the, out in the world. And the ones mm. I've seen in France as well are a bit unwieldy and you need to kind of be a bit of a geek to get them working. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, that's, that's fairly common with uh, platforms that are mm. uh, early technology adopters, really. Yeah. And I think that generally telcos don't really, they're used to providing a, a platform and, and they make money from people using it. Exactly. Whereas TV is a bit more, you have to provide the whole experience, the content yeah, as well as the, uh, providing the, the a platform. It's actually providing an experience, in fact. An experience in a service, that kind of thing. So, interesting. Mm. So, well, again, IPTV is definitely on the up, that's for sure. How quickly it will get well, up there. 3.6 we'll million. We'll see how we go in uh, mm. six months' time, see mm. how it's going then. Okay, mobile, you'd um, picked up on a story about um, t- two of the world's largest vendors combining their 3G networks. What's all that yeah, about? Yeah, so Orange and Vodafone, who both have 3G networks, have... Uh, 
decided that uh, competing with each other is just not the way. So they're, and I'm not quite mm. sure on the details of in what way they're combining uh, 3G, but uh, at least in terms of interoperability and... Uh, uh, Sounds like a bit of a monopolistic activity. I guess they paid a fortune for the licenses and maybe they're just uh, seeing price pressure from exactly. crazy promotion. So they're trying to just get together to avoid price erosion, I suppose. That's exactly right. I mean, the, the billions and billions of dollars that was paid for 3G Spectrum back uh, a couple of years ago is uh, certainly taking a long time to pay off. So I can understand that they really don't want to have competition between each other even using uh, 3G technology. Yeah, so. it's, to me, it just sounds a bit monopolistic to say, you know, let's mm. get together. Um, be interesting to see if the regulators have any views on that. Mm. Um, we also saw some news about um, in Japan, some people doing a company called Dwango, D-W-A-N-G-O, um, mm. debuting some kind of role-playing game for 3G phones, which sounds a bit bizarre. Have you had a chance to look at the website here? I think it's all in Japanese as well, which doesn't help. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, the the um, I mean, Docomo in in uh, Japan has has a bewildering array of services for your mobile phone, uh, and to be fair, the Japanese are much more uh, likely to pick up on fun things to do on your mobile than I think other countries mm. are. Right. So when I originally read this, I thought, I, I can't believe anyone is going to play a multiplayer. Uh, online game where you fight monsters, acquire treasure, and restore peace to a city. Well, uh, but people do that anyway. I mean, that's World of Warcraft, presumably. They do, I but mean, on a PC. I can't imagine it on a on a little mobile phone. But in Japan, they do all sorts of wacky things on yeah. mobile phones. So I think it's also similar in uh, Korea as well, where they have, um, is it Kart Rider by Nexon, mm-hmm. uh, which you can, I think, also play on mobile phones where you kind of trick out your, your go-kart, effectively, and, and play one-on-one. Okay. So uh, that's, that's something which kind of works as well. But I guess it's a new, I don't know why this sort of appeared on the, the news wires, but obviously it's new to be running role-playing games on phones, um, yes. not standalone. I mean, I've got Zelda or something on mine, I think, but just I presume it's a, mass, it's a multiplayer, up to four players cooperating. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the difference, I suppose. There's obviously some mm. player matching stuff um, and there's no chatting. So either maybe it's just a... Uh, I don't know if it's using the same game as, as on a PC or just like an, an RPG on a PC. Mm. Um, see how it goes. But basically they were saying that their main business was around uh, selling ringtones and music for phones, but becoming more competitive. So they're looking to differentiate. So it's interesting to see as, as some markets mature where people start going, they'll start testing things, which is always fun. Mm. Interesting to see where that goes. Mm. So that's kind of a segue into gaming. Indeed, we've got uh, a couple of credible rumours at the Xbox 360, uh, Microsoft's gaming platform, which has up till now had a 20 gigabyte disc, mm-hmm. uh, and they've been doing uh, video downloads and high definition movie downloads to that platform, but with a 20 gig disc, you can fit one or two movies on there without kind of filling up your disc. Yeah, well, one HD movie, I guess, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've uh, at least uh, and all these XNA games as well that I guess you download yeah so you're downloading games mm-hmm. onto the disc so one of the mm-hmm. retailers in Australia has been prepped to get its stores ready for a new black Xbox 360 with right. a 120 gig hard drive and an HDMI port so that's the uh, digital Brilliant. connection to the television up till yeah. now the uh, Xbox has only had a component so this is output. Xbox 360 2.0 that's the right. new one and obviously they're aiming here to head off Sony's wider launch of the PS3 in, I guess, in Australia, is that March 23rd as well? Yeah, I guess it's the same time. Same as UK. In April, yeah. so, uh, okay. Although so they're March. aiming to, to do that. But it seems a bit odd that 
I mean, the US presumably is the largest market. Are they really thinking it's going to make a difference? I have heard this rumor before. I don't think it's a rumor. I think it's a definite. I'm sure they kind of almost announced it at CES. There would be a new one. Mm. At least they were strongly hinting at it. So, And uh, presumably built-in HD DVD as well? It doesn't say so, but you'd be crazy not to, wouldn't you? Maybe it's more of a price point. They just can't. They can't do it. Yeah. And they can't launch it. They don't want to have a sort of a PS3 kind of price on the thing. Um, it ends up being 749 Australian dollars, which is about 582 US. So it's still, right. um, I don't know, three Off quarters the price of, of a PS. Three, three quarters of the price, at least, of, yeah, uh, yeah. of a PS3, uh, which only ends up having a 60 gig disc in it. Hmm. Interesting. I know I've been trying to get hold of a Wii recently in the UK, mm-hmm. and it seems like everywhere's sold out. There are waiting lists, or they get. Every now and again, they'll get some deliveries in. Uh, I heard some rumours that the PS3 was certainly in Hong Kong with some buddies there. They're saying you can, you know, you can buy them. It's not right. a problem. So, uh, and they they had the same release date as the US. Hmm. So it'd be interesting to see what happens with PS3. I certainly haven't seen or heard of anyone raving about the games on PS3. Apparently, there's um, a couple of good games, and the rest are kind of yeah, not as much as you know. We we had a little conversation about Guitar Hero and stuff like that. Um, uh, and and the Wii's taken a lot of stuff. I mean, I guess everyone's waiting for Halo to come out on the Xbox 360. Yep. Uh, but things like Gears of War, I think, was the the one that popped out at, uh, at Christmas. So there's still you know there's a lot of noise about the titles on the Xbox 360, but PS3 haven't really heard of any you know, mm. killer content. And it, you know, I guess the games are what it's about. It is um, definitely about maybe the, the Blu-ray might be the the winning part. But I've also you know we talked I think last week about Blu-ray content not being suited for. Um, frame rates we have in the mm. UK. So, so uh, are you still going to get a PS3? It's kind of on the list. Uh, <laughs> well, I have, I, I have uh, unfortunately acquired a PS2 in the last uh, week, so uh, I think I might be getting, getting hold of a bit of Guitar Hero fun to Excellent. Uh, uh, practice some musical stuff. I'm not as musical as you, Ian, but I'm sure I can hit four-coloured buttons in sequence. <laughs> in so. time. Well, apparently Guitar Hero is actually coming for the Wii as well. Brilliant, brilliant. And uh, you also got some stuff about Nokia. We, we talked many moons ago about the Engage thing being a real flop, but looking like they were going to come out with a new version because they did some I think, major sponsorship of a UK games exhibition. Yeah. Um, so this is Nokia's... Uh, the Engage was a kind of little handheld gaming platform which had potential, well, but never really uh, took advantage of it. Yeah, um, you had to take the battery out of the phone or something to change the games or something yeah, ridiculous Yeah, and like you couldn't that. download games and you couldn't... Yeah, the, the multiplayer capabilities were fairly terrible, so and the games were fairly awful as well. So aside from all that, uh, but they reckon they're going to release a Mark II in September, right? And this is from Nokia, so they're saying, "Yep, yep, we're going to do this." So they haven't they haven't left this space alone. And I guess Nokia are expanding into other areas now, other than just their dominance sort of the mobile phone market. Seeing because that, they have um, to get ready before Apple comes in and cleans up their lunch. Yeah, exactly. Right? So they're trying to. <laughs> And trying to step out in other areas. So they've got, you know, internet tablets now and uh, kind of music playing phones and, and now uh, stepping back into the gaming phone. Uh, yeah, market. I guess they're a big, they're again, the 800 pound gorilla. They can sort of keep trying at the games until they get it until right. Until they get it right, yes. Yeah. Excellent. Um, that's, so that's pretty cool. We've On the gaming kind of front, we have actually got a little games, game stroke film related um, prize for uh, someone on this uh, on this uh, listenership. So we have uh, the film Happy Feet. I don't know if you've seen that, Ian. I've certainly heard about it. It's, it's all about the penguins. Yeah, it's all about the penguins and stuff. It's very like singing, dancing, <laughs> penguin kind of things. And so we have a Happy Feet PlayStation 2 game to give away and also a snow globe uh, featuring the main character from Happy Feet. Excellent. So what you need to let us know to win this uh, amazing prize 
is just let us know who is the main character, lead character in Happy Feet, not the, the actor who plays the voice, but the name of the cartoon character within the movie. So let us know. Send that to, where do we need to send that to, Ian? We'll send it to feedback at onthecouchpodcast.com. So just say competition, couch 32, and then the name of the character. And a random drawing or first one out of the hat will be uh, getting that sent to them. Excellent. Uh, so that's cool. Now, um, other stories. You, you being a bit of a Wii fan, you've been playing with the Wii and you've come up with a wacky story about uh, a, something about sword-wielding robots. What's all well, that about? This is, this is what you need to do when um, you want to take your Wii controller into the real world. So it's a right. couple of engineers that have access to a, an industrial robot where they've um, strapped a sword to it. Uh, and in Zelda, as you, as you do <laughs> in the game of Zelda, I think you actually have the capability of playing uh, like uh, like doing some swordplay with the Wii controller. So what they've done is interface this uh, robot to a computer, interface the computer to uh, via Bluetooth to a Wii controller, and now they can wave their controller around and have the robot do the same thing with a real sword. Right, which sounds like heaps of fun. I mean, you've got to go and have a look at the video. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> Do they, what, chop anyone up or what's going on? Um, well, you know, I'll leave that to your imagination. But um, Yeah. I mean, people have been hooking loads of wacky things up to Wii controllers, haven't they? I guess this is logical. Have you got the, the Zelda fighting kind of thing? Or I've got the Zelda still- game, but I haven't got to the point where I actually get to slash and, you know, things with the sword yet. I'm just learning how to ride my horse at the moment. <laughs> I've just got visions of a kind of... Monty Python and the Holy Grail, some guy making the horse nose noises with the coconuts. You have to do that with the nunchuck and the... Uh... It's, it's actually harder than you think, but... Um, so you have to use both, both bits both, to both, ride the horse? Both uh, the nunchuck and the, uh, the Wii controller all at the same time and coordinate all this. Yeah, it's, it's quite Does it make clip-clop noises? <laughs> it, it makes very real, really house, uh, house noises, horse noises as you're uh, galloping around and uh, herding goats into things and... And leaping over fences and stuff. It's great. Yeah. I did a bit of virtual horse riding, actually. Um, buddy came around with his Xbox, uh, not 360, and we were doing a bit in my, my cinema shed. And he, uh, he had a, a program, a game called Gun, which is about Wild West kind of stuff. And there was a bit of horse riding in that, but it was pretty easy. You just, like, steered. Oh, right. Steered, jumped, and galloped without oh. trying to kill the horse. Well, see, in, no in Zelda, you have the added complication of uh, you can... And go really fast and then you have to be really fast and then jump at the same time and coordinate the directions and it's all very tricky. Yeah. When gun you could use your horse to kill people. Oh that really? Cool. You could do skid attacks. Maybe you'll get to that in Zelda. Maybe. Indeed. Can't see Zelda being quite that sort of game. <laughs> <laughs> when I upgraded my PlayStation Portable the other day as well, but I haven't quite seen what it, I think it fixes things to do with downloading games from the uh, PlayStation community. Mm. But as I don't have, have a PS3. Downloading any games yet? You can't until you have a PS3. Oh, okay. That's the thing. You, you can buy PS1 titles, I think, and then move them onto your PSP. Right. Yeah. We'll have to see what happens there. Anyway, I think that about kind of wraps it up, doesn't it? We've uh, doesn't uh, do. Yeah. So next week we'll definitely have a bit of Indonesian news. With any luck. Yeah, I'm interesting to see. How and we'll the, be uh, able to uh, announce the winner of our competition. Exactly. So uh, let us know. Excellent. Well, thanks for listening, and we look forward to all your feedback, which can be sent to us at feedback at onthecouchpodcast.com. And do, uh, if you like us, tell your friends, write a review on iTunes, do whatever you need to do. But thanks for listening. That'd be great. All right, have a great week, everyone. Cheers. Bye from James. And bye from Ian. Bye.